This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. Welcome to this edition of How We See It. I'm John Morris, and a special opportunity for us to talk with the soon-to-be Father Christian Galvan. I'm going to call you Deacon for this purpose of this interview, but uh, Deacon, welcome to Spirit FM. Absolutely, John. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, we are right on the cusp of your ordination to the priesthood. Yeah. What's going through your mind here as we uh, approach that big day? Everything, and it, all at the same time. It's been a wonderful journey up to this point, and as we get closer, it is just it just becomes more and more real, especially every time I come home to the diocese, my home parish of St. Stephen, serving at the cathedral. It's just everyone is so excited, and it's just been such a great gift to really meet a lot of people that says, I cannot wait to celebrate with you at your ordination. After six and a half years of seminary and academics and formation, it just starts to become a lot more real. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. All right. When did you first feel like God was calling you to the priesthood? You know, I think the call was always there somewhere kind of sub-foundationally. You know, uh, I was an altar server growing up at St. Stephen. Uh, I did choir ministry. Uh, I do love to sing, so that stuck with me all these years. Lector, things like that. And people would always say, you know, have you ever thought of becoming a priest? I was, what, maybe 12, 13, 14 years old, even up to high school graduation. But, you know, I kind of had my plan for life. I wanted to be a, a, a civil engineer. I wanted to work in construction. I wanted to own my own business, even. It wasn't until... I, don't know, I was about 25 or 26 years old when I saw the class of 2015 for our diocese be ordained. It was the first time I've ever seen an ordination mass. And I think that was the first time I realized that this is something I hadn't considered before. But should I even dare to consider it? Let me ask you, why did you go to that mass? So I was part of our choir at St. Stephen at the time, and we had one of the ordinandi was assigned to St. Stephen as a deacon that summer. And we also knew that one of the newly ordained was coming to St. Stephen that after he was getting ordained as his first assignment. So the choir had a vested interest in sending sure. people. And so you went, you sang at the cathedral, mm -hmm. and... Uh, you, you got this overwhelming sense of maybe this is for me. Absolutely. I mean, an ordination liturgy is just so powerful and moving and beautiful. I could not help but at least acknowledge the fact that the Lord might be calling me to something different. How about that? Yeah. So, again, going back, you obviously grew up in the church. Were you raised Catholic? Were you, did you, were you born and cradle Catholic? Absolutely. I was. And I was born in, not many people know this, actually. I was born in Medford, New Jersey. My family moved down to the Tampa area when I was three. So I don't have many memories of New Jersey, but I do have my baptism photos and everything from my home parish there. And uh, so, yeah, baptized as an infant, raised in the church, all the sacraments, First Communion, Confirmation, and my family really encouraged me to stay active in our church. Brothers and sisters? On my father's side, yes. I have five older brothers and sisters. And on my mother's side, I'm an only child. Okay. So I kind of grew up as an only child environment. What was their reaction when you said, uh, you know what, I'm thinking about going into the priesthood? They were not surprised at all. Really? No, they were not. In fact, they often uh, uh, joked, it says, uh, Christian, one day you're either going to be a politician or a priest. <laughs> no, they weren't surprised. I think when I told my, my mom and my dad, it, it took them some time to process that. I, I think that's pretty, pretty expected handy. for any, any parent. But uh, when they realized it, I think uh, they weren't surprised either in their, in their depths of their hearts. 
you had in your heart and your mind uh, at a high school that, okay, I'm going to run a business. I'm going to get into um, the construction field, maybe. Where'd you go to college? So I went to college at uh, the University of Notre Dame in uh, okay. Indiana for four Hard years. Hard to get in there. It was. Uh, I'm kind of wondering exactly how I did, to be perfectly honest, but it was a beautiful gift. Did you go to Catholic school? For some of it, I actually went to the Academy of Holy Names for 7th and 8th grade okay. for middle school, and I went to a local private school for elementary and plant high school for high school. So a little mix of, of, of everything. everything. So you got a little yeah. taste of everything. So you went to Notre Dame, a Catholic university. Yes. Did you get involved in activities there? Absolutely. My favorite and the one that still has roots uh, with me to this day is uh, singing with the Notre Dame Glee Club. I remember auditioning for that my first day on campus and just said, well, I've been singing for so long. Let me give this a shot. And, and who knows? Maybe these guys are much better than I am. They know what they're doing. But no, I they took me in and it is just the four years singing with the Glee Club afforded me so many great opportunities, traveling the country and the globe. We would do tours all over the place. Some of my fondest memories are from uh, singing with them. Also got involved with different liturgical ministries and also uh, campus ministries. Notre Dame was a time when I really fell in love with the idea of ministering in the church. Okay. And that's a unique perspective because some people would say they go to university and they leave the faith. Sure. Now, even if you're going to Boston College or Notre Dame or some other Catholic institution, sometimes their faith might be challenged, but that wasn't the case for you. Well, I would say that there are definitely challenges, of course, but having the sacramental presence on campus, having all sacraments available to us multiple times a day, confessions, certainly at the ready, masses, daily masses, certainly Sunday masses in the beautiful Basilica of the Sacred Heart there— yeah, the challenges still come, but to be in a place that fosters such devotion and such love really made it very easy to stay grounded. In fact, one of the places I loved praying when things got really difficult was the uh, grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes there. It's a replica grotto of the grotto in France in Lourdes. Did you make a lot of lifelong friends or any lifelong friends? You know how some, sometimes college you go and then you, you lose track. Right. I, well, certainly had a lot of friends at the time, kind of lost touch over the years, mm -hmm. but I do still have some very close friends to this day from my time at Notre Dame, and they'll even be coming to uh, celebrate with me in May. So was it at Notre Dame that you said, I want to be a priest? What time frame are we talking about at Notre Dame? So this was 05 to 09. Okay. And uh, so coming up in spring 2009, this is right after the big recession of 2008, by the way. So all of us were kind of worrying about what future employment looked like. And it did. In engineering, uh, future hires from our class really did take a hit that year. And I think there was a, a time where I was even considering priesthood through Congregation of Holy Cross, which is the founding order of the mm -hmm. university. And I attended one of their information nights, the come and sees, things like that, that are right there on campus. It just didn't seem like that was the call right then and there. It almost felt like if I would have discerned priesthood, it would have been like some backup plan to my life. And I think even though I couldn't articulate that at the time, I think in my heart of hearts, I knew that, that that's not what a vocation to the priesthood is. So no, I think I stayed the course and after graduation came back home and attended University of Tampa for two years and studied full-time for my MBA. And didn't you go to work for a cell company or something? Or I did, actually, yes. Yeah. So I did two years of project engineering in, in Tampa doing water and wastewater design systems. And then for three years, I worked for a local contractor in Brandon. And uh, for those years, I was project manager and I was building cell phone towers. Was that thought still in your head to go to seminary? 
You know, it was very, very subdued. Like I said, I don't think this was a time when, I, especially the, as I was beginning my career, I was more checking the boxes of my life. Right. I knew that I wanted to uh, obtain my, my, my footing in my career. I wanted to obtain the financial independence, living on my own. And so, yeah, I was starting to save up some pretty good money. Not great, but, you know, we yeah. get there eventually. Yeah, entry level, you know. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I know a number of priests that are currently serving in our diocese that had a secular career. Mm-hmm. including our own bishop, yeah, before coming in. Uh, so there's a lot of parallels there. It's funny how God calls us at different times of our life or the times that we answer that call. I firmly believe, John, that that there is no wasted experience uh, that the Lord guides us through. Everything that has happened in our life will always serve us in the future, especially if we're listening to His will. And I believe that. Not only in my career, Bishop Park's a great example of that as well. I think we entered seminary around the same age as it is after that kind of experience. Your experience is construction project manager, Mm -hmm. uh, electronics, that sort of thing. How do you think that's going to serve you in a parish down the road? You know, I don't think that there will be a lot of parishes building cell towers, but with my background in, in construction management and civil engineering, I've learned a lot about how to manage different projects, different aspects of how things run. I may not know everything about that particular component of, of project or whatever I'm running, but I also know the importance of collaboration, getting the experts in that you need around you, and working and managing with a team. I would say that many of our priests... Mm-hmm. They have to do some kind of project management at their parishes, whether it's uh, expanding on a school or a parish or yeah. doing something in construction. So that would certainly help you out immensely. You know, I, 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 you hit the nail on the head. A priest is a lot of things, chiefly sacramental, of course, and, and, and in persona Christi. And what I look forward to most about priesthood is celebrating the sacraments, being with the people, hearing their stories getting the privilege and honor to to be in per, the person of Christ, to hear their confessions, celebrate Mass for them, of course. But yeah, running a parish as a pastor and, and certainly uh, assisting in, as a parochial vicar, as I soon will be, is a juggling act. Uh, there are things like school and finance and pastoral and all these different dimensions of being an administrator and assisted administrator at a parish. And a lot of that life experience, I believe, is God's way of really kind of giving you the crash course before it actually happens. So I'm looking forward to lending whatever gifts, talents that he's given me that I'm most grateful for and to wherever I'll wind up being assigned. So you tell your friends, you, you, you know, your coworkers, I've decided I'm leaving. I'm going to go to be a priest. What's their reaction? <laughs> So it's funny, when I resigned from my position as project manager, my boss had was initially irate. You could just start to see it. I hadn't even finished the sentence yet. And then I completed it with, because I've discerned a call to the priesthood. And his eyes just kind of softened. He's like, well, that's the one boss that you're living for that I can't get mad at. So, <laughs> and, and he's a good Catholic man. I met him uh, as after a church retreat. And it was at a time, uh, would you believe I was actually laid off from my first job at, on Ash Wednesday? Oh, wow. Literally giving up my job for Lent. <laughs> wow, there you go. Well, that's a good way to look at it, it anyway. Well, it definitely. I had an extra taste of the desert that particular Lent. Sure. But after meeting this man during my church retreat, we worked out a deal and he hired me on uh, right before the Triduum. So it really was 40 days of desert-like experience. So you know, he's Catholic. We go to the same parish and he's been so supportive. The whole family, their whole family has been so supportive, but it was a shock to them too. Yeah. I would imagine even clergy and you're going to, you're one as a deacon right now, mm-hmm. you go through dry passages, you go through challenges, you go through fears. Yeah. 
how do you deal with that in seminary? Let's let's throw it there. Yeah, have, I know you have a spiritual director and people formators that you can lean on a little bit, but they're leaning into you too a little bit. It really is an iron sharpens iron type of situation. There are days where you are just not feeling it. Period. You know, it's just difficult. You feel like you've made the wrong decision. But someone else next to you is probably having some of the greatest and sweetest consolation they've had in their journey. So in that time, you know, it's really good to be in contact with your brother seminarians because they're the ones that are going to help raise you up. They may not take away the difficulty, but they will speak something into it. And that I will be able to take to prayer and, and somewhere Jesus will meet me in my heart and foster what he needs to tell me. But yeah, staying close to the sacraments, staying close in prayer, it's much easier said than done. I fully acknowledge that. Uh, but And there are times of struggle and dryness. But that is the Lord's call to continue to persevere in relationship with him. One of the great things about becoming a priest is so many friends and family that you'll come. They'll be like family to you. The parishioners will be like family to you. Absolutely. What, what, do, what do you think is going to be the, the greatest blessing for you? I know you haven't been there yet, but you've, yeah. you've been a deacon and— what do you think is going to be a big blessing for you? Well, I got a taste of it already, John, and, and, and I'll share this with you from the last summer. I was uh, privileged to be a deacon at Our Lady of the Rosary, and I remember attending a, a lady's tea fundraiser, and I just had to be there for like 20 minutes. I had to assist at a funeral right after. So I stopped in, said hello. I bought a raffle ticket for the door prizes, and I, I couldn't stay for the drawing. So, uh, you know, there was... Uh, I don't know, a little girl there about maybe nine or 10 years old uh, came with her mom. And I, you know, I just went to her and I said, you know, I can't be here for the drawing. Why don't you take this ticket? And if you win, pick yourself out a nice prize. Well, wouldn't you know it? I think she actually did win. Nice. And, but she remembered that. And like the next Sunday and every Sunday in between, I just got the biggest hug (laughs) at the end of mass. And that is just such an embodiment of the kind of joy that I'm looking forward to in priesthood where you don't know people and alone, you know, Christian Galvan probably has no right to know these people. But the priesthood invites us into such intimate closeness with the people of God, with each other. And it's just, it overwhelms me and it touches me. And that's the joy that I just expect will be multiplied many times over in uh, in priestly ministry. I, I can't wait. What are you most looking forward to as a priest? Oh, easily celebrating the sacraments, especially Eucharist and confession. They have been such powerful mainstays in my own life. Even I'll even briefly touch on this. I was actually afraid of the sacrament of confession most of my young adult life. And it really took into my later years of, of, of my 20s and certainly into seminary to become comfortable with the sacrament again. And now it's something that I can't live without. I'm really looking forward to celebrate those two sacraments especially. Yeah. You, you mentioned that you, you attended funerals. How difficult is that? It is. You know, I've been blessed in my life most of of my family, you know, is still with me. I only recently lost my grandparents. So learning how to be present at funerals was new to me. And I had a, a lot of experience during pastoral year. I was at St. Catherine of Siena during COVID, no less. So there were, unfortunately, some tragic deaths and, you know, funerals that had to happen, despite the fact that we weren't coming together as a, a you know, in social gatherings, if you will. So to step into that role and to learn just how to be present and how to be comforting was challenging. Who's going to be doing the vesting? So I have two priests that I, I love and admire deeply, one of which Monsignor John Sippel. He just turned 90 in our diocese. He is a dear brother and dear friend of mine. And another is the rector of my dorm hall at Notre Dame. He met me when I was 18 years old, uh, you know, 
shy little freshman walking onto campus for the first time. And uh, so he's known me for half my life. Uh, his name is Father Mark Thiesing, a priest of the Holy Cross, a congregation of Holy Cross, and he'll be coming down to also vest me. Is there anyone during this time that you would like to, you know, on the day of that you'd like to acknowledge? I know there's so many. Yeah. Thank, recognizing, I know you can't list them all, but are there, sure. are, there, are there some that really you really would like to publicly acknowledge? Absolutely. Well, of course, not to sound like one of those uh, speeches at the end of uh, at the end of the Oscars or the end of the Super Bowl. I got to give glory to God first of all. Obviously, thank you, Lord, for calling me to this amazing life, you know, unworthy that I am and unworthy that all priests are to serve in this amazing capacity. Certainly my family, my mom, my dad, Rosie Gonzalez, Fred Galvan, my brothers and sisters, my entire family. Again, too many to list, especially on a Hispanic family. Also, the parish priests that I've been blessed to know in my life. We've had some great pastors at St. Stephen. You know, Monsignor Pat Irwin comes to the top of my head. You know, so God bless him, Father Bill Swingross, Father Dermot Dunn, the current pastor there, Father Bob Schneider, my brother seminarians as well. Yeah, there's a lot of people to list and acknowledge. Grateful that so many of them will be will be with me. What is one thing that maybe the parishioners don't know about you that you'd like to share? Maybe a, a hobby? Well, I think most people do know that, obviously, I mentioned it before, I love to sing, and I do enjoy cooking. I do enjoy trying new things. That's part from my family and also just part from— What's your favorite dish to cook? Ah, something something in the steak line. You know, I love a good grilled steak or even pan-seared, a little butter bath on it, butter, herbs, garlic. Uh, I usually serve that alongside some roasted vegetables, a little bit of pasta maybe. So not not exactly the most calorie-cutting thing in the world, but you got to indulge a little, you know? Quick questions. Uh, do Do you follow sports at all? Oh, absolutely. Favorite ball, ball team or? Uh, local? Absolutely. Tampa Bay Rays. Love the Rays, but of course, got to go for Notre Dame football. All got right. to. There you go. What style of music do you like? So I, I must confess, I am a child of the 90s. Uh, there are far too many 90s uh, ballads, 90s pop, 80s rock also on my playlist. In the 80s, you know, Bon Jovi, Aerosmith, love them. Love a good power ballad too. More modern, I, I like modern pop just fine. You know, Shawn Mendes, Ed Sheeran, Camila Cabello as well. What do you like to do in your downtime? So I am trying, trying to pick up golf. I am trying to get there. Unfortunately, my handicap and my age are one and the same, I think. I know there's a number of uh, young priests we have that aren't very good either, so y'all can get together and <laughs> hang We'll be the ones zigzagging on <laughs> the greens. Right. And, yeah, and, I'll, be, yeah. I'll be right there with you, man. Uh, <laughs> if a parishioner invites you to dinner, what's the one thing on the plate you don't want to have on show up. Ooh. What's the one meal you like? I, I can't stand I can't, mushrooms. I, I can't do it. I about to say mushrooms is up there for me, but you know, seafood is, uh, sometimes seafood is fine, but I've, it's, it's been a growing taste for me. So I'm kind of, uh, shrimp is fine and everything, but any of the, of the more adventurous seafood type of things, it's a hit or miss with me. Okay. You're not eating kelp or sea anemones. So Usually not. Fridays and Lent are particularly difficult for what me. Is your, what, uh, that was a question. What is your Lenten go-to meal? My Lenten go-to meal would, especially on like an Ash Wednesday or something, like it's going to be a grilled cheese and tomato soup thing. That and that just that will be the meal for the day, you know, and it gets gotcha. you through. Okay, uh, here's a splurge. Are you a coffee drinker? Absolutely. Starbucks or Dunkin'? Dunkin', if I have to choose. Okay, well, you had to choose there. Okay. <laughs> Favorite binge series or movie? You sit down. You got you got all Saturday. Yep. What would you go to? Ooh. Would most likely be something in the Star Wars franchise. Okay. Uh, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but. Also go back and just, I like Disney in general. Okay. So going back to some of the old classics, Disney Plus obviously has got everything on it. Do you have it. Disney passes? 
I just got it back. I had to give okay. it up when I went into seminary because it just I didn't have the time to go. Favorite I ride? Only What's your favorite ride? Uh, I would have to go Tower of Terror. Okay. Yeah, yeah I right. like the so up the and down of that. Up. All right, yeah. good. Uh, favorite saint and why? My confirmation saint, St. Charles Garnier, one of the North American martyrs. He was a, a had passion and zeal. He taught, and ultimately he died absolving someone of the sins in, in, in battle. It was the French and Indian War era. So love his zeal. Maybe somebody living today, you see them, and you mentioned you know, somebody like Monsignor Sipple. Right. Who is someone maybe living today that you would admire? I mean, certainly a lot of the priests of our diocese, but— I've, I really love the ministry that Father Mike Schmitz does in time, especially with his Bible in the year, now catechism in the year. This is not a plug. I'm not getting paid to say it. No. Nope. But if they sent me a T-shirt, I would wear it. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> but he's doing amazing work, and he's got such great zeal. Finally, you're laying prostrate on mm-hmm. the floor of the cathedral. Everyone's praying the litany of the saints. What's going through your mind? That this is a heavenly and earthly community, that there are so many people in the communion of saints lifting me up and God's got me. God's got us. Every virtue, every beautiful gift that has ever been given is embodied in the saints living and deceased. That's a privileged place and I'm looking forward to it. You're listening to How We See It. A look at issues and ministries that are having an impact in our community and world. If you missed any of today's program, you'll find a copy on Spirit FM's SoundCloud page. There's a link to it at myspiritfm.com. Now, back to our program. Okay, in this part of the interview, we have brought in Christian's parents, Fred Galvan and Rosie Gonzalez. Welcome to Spirit FM. Thank Thank you, John. Thank you for having us. Rosie, um, mom of a future priest here, tell me what that feels like for you. It's overwhelming. It's something that you just think about it. Oh, okay, he's going to be a priest, but it's not the the being a priest what matters. It's the whole package of what you are embracing and uh, his journey and my journey as a mother and Fred's journey as a father. So... It takes a lot of acceptance, a lot of knowing that this is God's will and that we, or let me say for myself, as a mother, I have to step aside and allow the Lord take over. Rosie, has his call to the priesthood increased your faith? No. Any, or was it, has, was it always strong? My faith has always been strong. I was raised Roman Catholic in Mexico. So my faith has always been strong. My mother was a true Catholic, so we always follow the church. For either one of you, are there any other religious in the family, any nuns or priests? No. No. Down the line. So this is the first one. Yes. Fred, talk about your feelings. Your son is becoming a priest. Well, it it was hard to accept it at first. Really? Yeah. How so? Well, you always hope for grandchildren, of course, but... I knew that he was bound to be a priest from an early childhood. We had something special. We had, ever since he was a small child, there were things that were happening that I didn't consider normal. Uh, For example, when he was a child, your niece, Liliana, made an observance, and she said, 
do you ever see, have you ever seen Christian fall? I said, no. You, you ought to pay attention. He's like somebody laid him down. He doesn't fall huh. like you and I. That kind of opened my eyes, but time passed. I have been, I, I, was, I was born a Catholic. I haven't followed the church as well as I should. But it was because of Christian. When he stayed with me, he always wanted to go to church. He always wanted to be a server. And I took him, and I went closer to the church. And I have to thank him for that. All in all, when he told us that he was going to want to be a priest, I always knew that, as did Rosie. But now we have to accept it. And I had to take a little more time to step back. What does that mean? Well, it means that he's going to be, at one time or another, we will have to tell him, this is as far as we can take you. From now on, you go serve the Lord and do the best you can and be the best you can be. He's always going to be your son, but now you have to call him father. How's that going to be? Right. <laughs> it's like I do now. I practice. I said, I'm sorry. I practice deacon son, I call him. <laughs> Here comes my deacon son, so now I'm going to practice father. What about you, Fred? It's hard to accept that because of, 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 of what a father thinks of his son. But I will call him father. I will be glad to. I'll be honored. That's the way I feel about that. Yeah, yeah. What was Christian like growing up? He Obviously, he didn't fall down too much. He just laid down a little bit. <laughs> he, he, well, he was clumsy. I'm sorry to say that. He fell down a lot. But never any time that he get hurt. Like somebody just guided him down. Uh, there was one time I remember when he was seven or eight. Shirozi called me at work. Come on home because you got a Christian's hurt himself. I came in, went to the house. There they are, both of them, sitting on the middle of the floor, rocking each other. Said, What's wrong? He fell down and broke his arm. Mm. <laughs> Maybe that's one day that the Lord was on vacation that day. <laughs> but. That's about the only thing that uh, I, I can remember that uh, he fell hard. Right. Was Christian a um, life of the party kind of guy, or was he more middle of the road, or was he more introverted? He was the life of the party was all the he? time. Yes. Yeah. All the time. He all the time. He was. He has been a happy child, teenager, young adult, and adult. I know parents are biased for their kids; that they're great. What kind of priest do you think Christian is going to be representing here in the diocese? Christian has tremendous charisma. He's a very charismatic person. No matter where he goes or what church he serves, he will always bring the best of it to the top. This charisma just brings it. Yes, his, uh, his people's skills are really remarkable, but he's a visionary too. Yeah. So, uh, and he uh, worked very hard to be a planner. So now he is a planner. He didn't used to be a planner. He will wait till the last minute and do stuff. But now with all these seven years of formation, now he added that to his uh, already established skills. So that was a plus. That is a plus. Yeah. Have you had the opportunity to meet other parents of priests yes. to kind of get a feel for what that, I mean, it's almost like an exclusive club you guys are in. Uh, yes, it is. What kind of takeaway did you get, or what? how does that feel? I've been fortunate enough to be close to some of the parents uh, when we go to the seminary or when we have uh, special 
uh, liturgy to celebrate. And I asked them, how, how is it going now that your son has been a priest for a year? And then they say, it is just a magnificent gift that you can receive. It has its ups and downs because they're always doing, they're always working. They hardly have time for themselves or to spend with the family unless two or three hours. But it is a gift to see them giving themselves to the Lord. Picture yourself the day of the ordination. The last moment you see him, what do you think you'll say to him? Just what I just said a while ago. I think that we have taken you as far as we can. From now on, it's you go serve the Lord and you do a good job at it. I, th- I think that would be my parting words for him. And I just will say, so just go and be a good shepherd. The ordination mass for Christian Galvan will take place this Saturday, May 20th at 11 a.m. at the Cathedral of St. Jude the Apostle in St. Petersburg. Spirit FM will bring you live coverage beginning at 11 a.m. You can also watch the ordination via live stream if you cannot attend by going to dosp.org. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash how we see it.